The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Keeper, his second sneak for a score in this second half, but now it's 28-16 with the PAT to go. Look at the movement. That's that battle up front. Nice push by the Iowa offensive line. So here comes Iowa with 6.37 to go, capitalizing on a fourth down stop, a turnover, and a late penalty on that scoring drive. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. We have our first of two weekly reporters' notebook segments in this podcast. This one features Susan Dank, who looks back at the Hawks' loss to the Northwestern Wildcats in Evanston. You'll also hear some of what Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz had to say on the weekly Big Ten Coaches Call. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include Brent Balvinat and Marv Cook, as well as sports reporter Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeye Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out Marv Cook's X's and O's show and our other Reporters Notebook podcast. The Iowa Northwestern game highlights are courtesy of ESPN2 with announcers Beth Mullins and Joe Joey Galloway, an improving job for Galloway in analysis, not so much in play-by-play calling. Nevertheless, we very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz participated in the weekly Big Ten Coaches Conference call. This week, here's some of what he had to say first about Iowa's plus eight turnover margin. Then he talks about Micah Hyde. He discusses Iowa's defensive matchup against Indiana, especially given its performance versus Northwestern and Penn State. And he assesses the Indiana team overall. I think that's one of the things we've done well is uh, we've protected the ball pretty well offensively. And then our defense has been opportunistic. They've done a good job both uh, with interceptions and fumble recovery. So, you know, the guys are working hard. You know, that's certainly a, a positive statistic for us. He's just a great young guy and uh, really came in that way. He just came in with a great attitude. He works extremely hard. He was a little bit of a tweener in recruiting, if you will. You know, he was uh, getting a lot of attention from mid-American schools. Good player and just a good all-around athlete. And yeah, he came in, uh, you know, I really feel like he could have played receiver for us as well as defensive back. That's where he kind of fit in. And, you know, we had a tough game the other day, but he hit two really stellar plays. He uh, killed a punt from going into the end zone. Uh, we were able to kill the ball on the one-yard line after John Winkie punted it down there. And yeah, that's not a player everybody can make, but it was a real outstanding play, and then they turned around, unfortunately, and hit a big play, 70-plus yard run, the very fast running back, and, and Micah tracked him down, and not only you know made the tackle, but it was a smart tackle from the sideline. It looked like he was going to horse collar uh, the back, and then he, you know, he grabbed him, and then just readjusted his hands and, and was able to bring him down, so that, to me, is speaks volumes about the kind of player Micah is, and his back-to-back plays, basically, so it's just uh, it was a great hustle play. Probably showed a little more speed than I thought we thought he had on that one, but uh, it's just, yeah, that's kind of the way he is. He just does everything for full speed. 
Well, we would just have to, you know, play as well as we possibly can. This is the third week in a row now. We're playing a really high-paced, uh, fast-paced offensive team, and uh, ironically, just the way our schedule shakes out, we're, we've played the, you know, the three uh, fastest operating teams in the league uh, back-to-back here. So, yeah, it's going to be a challenge if there's good news there. At least, you know, we've had practice at it. Should be used to that part of it, but yeah, it still gets down the the, the key to stopping any team that, you know, whether they're high high-paced or a deliberate team. Get off the field. You know, that's that's the name of the game on defense. Get off the field, and we just. Have have to do a better job of that. I think their their defense has really improved. You know, they're young on the offensive line, but I think that group's improved. The, the guys that are back, uh, the center's played forever. And the guys with experience have, have improved their play, and they've got some young players playing, doing a really nice job also. So they're, uh, that jumps out at you. The running back was good a year ago. He's still very good. You know, we, we played when the uh, running quarterback was in. He, he's out right now. But so, you know, it's a different style of attack than what we saw a year ago. Last but not least, their outside guys are very, you know, they're very talented and very, very uh, skilled players, and they're very productive players. And two of the three are very good side. The other guy's just, you know, a very explosive player. So, you know, they, they give you a lot to worry about, a lot to defend, and their scheme is well-conceived, and most importantly, the players execute it well. Let's take a quick look back at some game notes and key stats from last Saturday's Iowa loss to Northwestern, 28-17. The Hawkeyes were pretty much dominated in all three phases of that game, and especially glaring was the performance of the defense for the second week in a row. The score does not indicate how lopsided that game really was, and the stats are also somewhat misleading. Northwestern has now won six of the last eight games against Iowa, and the Wildcats are 10-6 versus the Hawks since 1995. Quarterback wide receiver King Coulter led Northwestern's offensive attack, most of which was on the ground. The Wildcats rushed 49 times for 349 yards, the most given up by an Iowa defense since 2000. And both Coulter and running back Venrick Mark had over 150 yards rushing. Two running backs doing that against an Iowa defense last happened in 2004. Iowa running back Damon Bullock returned to play after missing four games due to injury. He finished the contest with 107 yards rushing, plus he caught five passes for 41 more yards. Defensive back Micah Hyde was nearly a solo highlight reel for Iowa. He had a fumble recovery, he downed a punt at the one-yard line, and he caught up from 10 yards behind Venrick Mark on his breakaway 72-yard run, making a touchdown-saving tackle. Quarterback James Vandenberg played better, but certainly not to the level of good enough. He finished the day completing 24 of 38 passes for 214 yards, plus he had two quarterback sneaks for touchdowns, but he continued to display many of the same issues that have plagued him pretty much all season. Iowa's defense was led by linebacker Christian Kirksey, who had nine tackles. Safety Tanner Miller added seven. The defense also had two takeaways. B.J. Lowry picked Coulter for his first career interception, plus the Hyde fumble recovery. Key stats included Iowa with 23 first downs compared to 20 for Northwestern. The Hawkeyes had 122 yards rushing, but did have 214 passing yards compared to 84 for the Wildcats. Total offense, Northwestern a whopping 433 Iowa 336. Possession time in this game was very misleading. The Hawkeyes kept the ball for 34-25, keeping it almost too long late in the game to only 25-35 for Northwestern. Third down conversions, Iowa 8 of 17, Northwestern 8 of 11, but the Wildcats consistently were able to make big third down plays when they needed to. Red zone scoring, the Hawks were 2 of 2, Northwestern 3 for 4. The Wildcats also sacked Vandenberg three times, while Iowa's defense was unable to record a single 
Millsack on Northwestern. I don't recall ever seeing anyone take a delay of game in a two-minute offensive situation. The way their offenses run, they can't afford to give up those five yards because their passes have only been three to four yards long. They're killing themselves with the slow offense and taking these delay penalties. They had one in the first half that cost them some field position and a chance to get a first down to keep a drive alive. Fourth down and short coming up. And there's the five-yard penalty. You get the five yep. yards back in that pass play, but the clock is running and it sets up a fourth and two. Now your entire game is on the line because of a delay penalty that you took. Time now for the first of our two weekly Reporters Notebook shows with Susan Dank. You can read Susan's articles in the Hawkeye and online at thehawkeye.com. You can also follow Susan on Twitter at Susan Dank. Susan looks back at the Northwestern game. Susan, another Northwestern game in this series at six of the last eight, and they're 10 and six against Iowa since 95. And this is another game where, like the Penn State contest, the score was not nearly as lopsided as the game actually was. Absolutely. I mean, you, you thought that, there, you know, when it was 28 to three, that was more really indicative of, of how both teams were playing. There's something about playing Iowa that Pat Fitzgerald really just gets the Wildcats up for, and they always come out just ready to play, whether it's in Evanston or Iowa City no matter what it is. And for some reason, the Hawkeyes just can't get up for that game. The Hawks now have lost their last two games by a combined score of 66-31. to 31. It's the worst back-to-back losses since 2007. And little prospect, if you try to look at it objectively from a distance, for how this team's going to get much better over the next four games. I mean, we're two-thirds of the way through the season. It is hard to see you know, where they're going to get a couple more wins to you know, even possibly become bowl eligible. In Indiana, you thought that was you know, pretty much a gimme. <laughs> with the way Indiana have been playing. But last week, they go on the road, they beat Illinois, and now all of a sudden, they're favored over Iowa and Bloomington. And then you, you go to Michigan, and that's never an easy place to play. And you have Nebraska at home and, and Purdue. I mean, that's not a, a gimme for the Hawkeyes either. It's just, you know, for a conference that's kind of down, I mean, there are just no games that Iowa can say, okay, this should be a game that we're going to win. I thought it was interesting that last week we talked about the fact that the stats in the Penn State game really told the true story of that time overwhelmingly dominated by Penn State. But the stats in this Iowa-Northwestern game were actually, especially in some key respects, misleading. If you only looked at the stat sheet and didn't know the score, and you focused on things like time of possession in particular, passing yards, total offensive plays, you'd think Iowa, if they didn't win, would have been in it right to the end, except the contrary was true. It just seemed that Northwestern would come up with big plays when they needed them, you know, on on third down or the, the huge 72-yard run by Venrick Mark when, you know, it looked like Iowa ha- could have something going. They had Northwestern pinned on the one, and Mark just got away for that. That huge run got him out of trouble, and they scored. So it just seemed that any time they needed to, Northwestern would come up with something. Whereas Iowa, you know, maybe they, they piled up some yards, or they, you know, they, they held on to the ball. They just couldn't, when they needed to, make that play. Before we get into the weeds on this, do you think you can make a logical argument that Northwestern's now past Iowa in the Big Ten hierarchy? They seem 
seem to do a better job at recruiting recently, especially at the skill positions and an emphasis on speed. And as we just talked about, another game where Fitzgerald outcoached Ference. That's a tough one. You can certainly make a case for it. You know, when you when you look at those skill positions, it's actually something I hadn't hadn't really you know thought too much about. But it seems every year, you know, those guys they definitely outplay them, and and Fitzgerald definitely outcoaches Ference. So you know, it is I guess kind of surprising. You know, something I hadn't thought about, but definitely something that you, know, you can make a good case for that that they might have passed Iowa. I think maybe you need a couple more seasons to kind of see you know, where Iowa comes out. I mean, they've had a rough time with injuries and just a whole bunch of different issues this season and, you know, see where that kind of shakes out. Normally, we talk about the offense first. Let's focus a bit on the defense here. The defense was the unit that really kept Iowa in most of the games up to the Penn State game. And then it seems like at the Penn State game, the defense kind of collapsed and were especially hurt by the passing game. Then in the Northwestern game, the defense collapsed again almost from the outset. They were gashed and slashed and burned by Northwestern's running game out of its hurry-up spread attack. Yeah, it was kind of funny. I was thinking about that the other day, about how, you know, the beginning of the year, the defense was supposed to, you know, be the weakness. And then, you know, we're talking about how that hadn't been the case. You know, maybe in the first half when they didn't come out especially sharp, they would go out and, you know, at halftime and make adjustments, come out in that second half and, and really tighten up and, and play great defense. But like I said, the last couple of weeks, that has not been the case. I, especially, you know, that run defense really against Northwestern. Uh, King Coulter, a quarterback, had 166 yards. Venerick Mark, 162. 349 total rushing yards for Northwestern against this, this Iowa defense that is supposed to be really good at stopping the run. James Morris had some interesting comments for the second week in a row postgame. But he talked about the defense doing bad tackling, out of position, and not understanding the responsibility of the individual defenders in the called defensive scheme. It is. The, you know, a group would go backwards so much after the first few games of the, the season and just these the fundamental things that they should have down and they should just continue to build on throughout the year that all of a sudden they they have gone backwards like that and that those are the things they are, are not doing. That, you know, to me says there are some serious problems there that need to be addressed. They surrendered 504 yards to Penn State. Then Northwestern cashed in for 433 and the defense looked like it began to come around a bit when Iowa moved away from its base personnel and ran a few more dime packages, some nickel packages in the last 25 minutes or so of that game, which almost gave Iowa the chance, at least it appeared there for a short period of time, to, to get back into that contest. It makes you wonder about the defensive game plan from the get-go. You know, it kind of does. You know, in the past, you know, it, it was always, you know, there's this Iowa plays defense. They don't do anything special. You know what they're going to do, and they just stop you. And that's always been the case, you know, as long as, as I've been around this program. There was nothing special and fancy about it. They just did their job. And it really seems there are some breakdowns this year, and, and maybe they do need to look into doing something else and maybe shaking things up a little bit. You also wonder if they were really prepared for Kane Coulter to play most of that game. You know, it's tough, and Kirk talked about it last week, tough to prepare for a, an opposing offense that's likely to feature two different quarterbacks with entirely different styles. But Coulter stayed in, played most of the game. You already talked about his 166 yards rushing. He scored three touchdowns, had a touchdown pass. He was pretty spectacular. He was. And going in, like you said, you didn't know who was going to play the majority of snaps under center, you know, whether it was going to be Coulter or if he was going to be playing somewhere else on the 
the field. But he really, you know, anything he did seemed to be successful against Iowa. It, they just, you know, had no answer for him. And they knew that coming in that, you know, when he was in there, it was going to be a challenge. And even if he wasn't in there, Venrick Mark was going to be a challenge. You know, the one series that Coulter was not playing quarterback, Northwestern just didn't look like Northwestern. So, to, you know, Pat Fitzgerald's credit, he put Coulter back in and, and let him, you know, do what he had been doing and just shredding Iowa. On a day with few bright spots defensively, Micah Hyde's play was certainly one of them. He had uh, three key plays in that game, the fumble recovery near the goal line on the bad snap. And frankly, but for that bad snap, Northwestern might have put that game out of reach then and, and had a 35-3 to lead. He um, he downed John Winkie's punt at the one-yard line, which at the time looked like it was going to put Northwestern in horrible field position and give Iowa's defense a chance to make something happen near the goal line. But then on the very next play, Venerick Mark takes off, and from like 10 yards behind, 72 yards later, Micah Hyde caught him from behind. That was unbelievable. It was. It was absolutely amazing. Usually you see those guys take off, and you know, the guys kind of run after him for a while. It's like, yeah, okay, we're just going to give up because there's no way we're going to catch him, and the guy just continues on for the touchdown. But Micah Hyde just did not give up on that play and, and, and just ran him down, and it was pretty spectacular. We were thinking, oh, there's there's no way that he's going to catch Mark, and the next thing you know, he's tackling him, and I, I believe after the game, Mark said he had no idea that he was even there, and it was just an amazing. Well, Northwestern pretty much dominated this from the opening drive of the game. Any realistic hopes of Iowa getting back into it were pretty much lost in the first five minutes of the second half when Iowa started out going three and out. They had some drop passes. They had a blocked punt. Northwestern scored two touchdowns. And although Iowa did make it a bit of a run late in the third and late in the fourth quarter, that five minutes kind of really exemplified the entire game. It really did. It just they came out and they didn't look like they they really wanted to be there. Um, you know, James Vandenberg wasn't doing much of anything, and it it just got sloppier and sloppier. And it just you know Northwestern completely outplayed them those possessions, just like they had basically the entire game. It just wasn't pretty. Yeah, if you look at the stats, it was one of the better offensive performances from that perspective of the season. And Vandenberg played better than he has been. But the bottom line is they could only score 17 points. The quarterback play was still inconsistent. There were too many dropped passes. And this was against a team that had the worst pass defense in the Big Ten going into that game. I think there are a lot of things going on on their offense, especially after the Penn State game when all of a sudden they lose two starting offensive linemen and they have to kind of move things around and throw in some guys that hadn't played too much and are coming off injuries and trying to figure out who really belongs where. I think that was part of it. Like I said, James had one of his better days, 214 yards, but again, he did not throw for a touchdown. Uh, There were a number of drops. It wasn't all on James. Damon Bullock came in and he ran well, went over 100 yards, but no touchdowns. The only two touchdowns came on on quarterback sneaks with Vandenberg right down at the goal line. So obviously there's still a lot of offensive issues, um, but there are a lot of different things right now that need to be worked out. Bullock has not played all that much, so and, and Kirk keeps referring to that. You know, everyone thinks he's he's one of the veterans, and he, he really isn't. He does have some experience, but he needs to get in there and get more playing time. Really help if Weissman gets back. Maybe he'll sit out this week and, and get that ankle healthy, and maybe he can come back and be more effective again. Passing game, that's just tough. That's a whole bunch of different things. Vandenberg obviously needs to be more consistent. The receivers, when the ball comes to them and it's catchable, they need to make those catches. More from Susan Dank after this break. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 
24-hour hand sanitizer production just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer, protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com. Go to the news and events section and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and on Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette, the Hawkeye, and the Quad City Times, and listen to Brent Balbinot on Hawkeye's Mike and on the Balbinot and Bramel Camp Show weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at KGYMRadio.com. Here on ESPN 8, The Ocho, bringing you the finest in seldom seen sports from around the globe since 1999. If it's almost a sport, we've got it here. Back to our conversation with Susan Dink. She talks Iowa's continuing offensive struggles, clock management issues, and more. You know you're in trouble when you have three first-half drives that go to Northwestern's 22, 33, and 23, and you only come away with three points total out of that. You know, that was just amazing that they they put together these long drives and just could not manage to finish it. You know, it's not something that you expect well in the past from this offense. Obviously, this year that has been an issue where they just can't, can't do anything. You know, one of those drives you were talking about, second and nine, the snap is fumbled, loss of five yards, so all of a sudden it's third and 14. That makes it kind of difficult to, to get anything done. And then all of a sudden, the end of the first quarter, fourth and three, they're going to go for it, and they're flagged for a delay of game. Uh, that's just absolutely inexcusable there. Just seemed everything was going wrong on offense, and, and nothing could really be put together. Yeah, and it continues to be perplexing, and Mark Cook talks about this, but that so many of the passes are out in the flat. They're perimeter passes, and Saturday, 23 of them were in the perimeter, 15 in the middle, very few, if any, long or vertical, and it seems like Vandenberg is throwing a pass that goes 35 to 40 yards in the air for a three-yard gain, and almost every one of them looks like it's going to be picked. Yeah, that is, you know, kind of crazy, and uh, Kirk did talk about that uh, Tuesday in his press conference, and he, of course, is saying there are no concerns there. You know, it's they're throwing to everybody, and this is what they're intending to do, but it, it, I don't see how this is something that they're, you know, intentionally saying, we're going to do this, you know, especially on these, when it's, you know, third and nine, or you know, things like that. And they're throwing these little three-yard passes that go nowhere. You talked about it a couple of minutes ago. Most perplexing how you end up with three delay of game calls, let alone one when you're in a hurry-up offense. And, and, you know, I, I wasn't around if James Vandenberg talked about that in the post game. Kirk did address it. He said it was very hard to see the game clock. He didn't know if that had anything to do with it. And so I don't know what Vandenberg's take on that was or, or, or what he might have said about that. But those are completely 
completely inexcusable. It's not like that is a stadium that is enclosed. It has a lot of noise that would maybe disrupt you in your offense. And, you know, it's big, wide open. It's not a sellout by any means. And he should know the time, what's going on, and, and, and everything, not, and not to get those penalties. The other thing that even makes that worse is pretty much throughout the season, Greg Davis has gotten the play calls in at the 23-22-24 second mark. And Iowa typically gets to the line of scrimmage with 15 or 16 seconds left on the clock. So anyway, that was that was pretty mm-hmm. baffling. The other yeah, thing that I, was. The other thing that was odd was that you would have thought, given the score in the game, you might have moved to the hurry-up offense pretty much the entire second half, certainly earlier than they did. And we've talked in past shows that Vandenberg seems to feel more comfortable in a bit of a hurry-up and out of the shotgun. But when Iowa was trying to make a comeback late in the third quarter on that long touchdown drive, and in the fourth quarter, instead of a hurry-up, they were mostly plodding along and chewed up a lot of clock. Yeah, that that didn't really seem to make much sense with the way they were doing that. Um, you know, while Vandenberg does seem to be more comfortable in that offense, it just does not seem something that, you know, that the Ferentz is very comfortable in. You know, even last year against Pitt, when, you know, that uh, 17-point comeback for that win, it's just not something that Ferentz seems very comfortable with, even if the team does and Vandenberg does, and maybe they can get something done. So I don't know if that's part of it there and in, in his reluctance. You know, he, he just does not feel comfortable with that. You talked about the fact that Bullock had a pretty good game his first game back after four four loss to those concussion uh, symptoms. Some decent rushing totals, and now Weissman looks like he's out again for the coming game. He didn't play in the second half, and we didn't really see anybody else back there either. No, no, we didn't, which is you know kind of surprising. You see that, that Weissman isn't being very effective. Bullock is doing some things, but maybe get Garmin in there, get him some more carries. You know, try to get him a little bit more experience because, you know, next week, you know, this coming week, Weissman won't be in there, and you can't just have Damon carry the entire load. He is not, you know, he's been out, you know, since that concussion, like you said, against the, what was it, Northern Iowa. And you need to get somebody else in there and get some carries because he's not going to be able to show to that entire load until Weissman gets back. Another plus out of this game was the fact that for the fourth time this year, Iowa had no turnovers and they got two turnovers against Northwestern, the fumble recovered by Hyde and the, and King Colter had a pass picked by B.J. Lowry, his first career interception. And Iowa continues to lead the Big Ten tied with Penn State at plus eight in turnover margin. That's a great number, but at the same time, you need to, to do something with those. You need to make sure when you get those turnovers that you make the other team pay, that you get points on the board, you know, especially the way you know this offense has been playing. You need as many points as you can get, and if the defense can make something happen for you, you, know, you need to take advantage of that. I mean, the Chicago Bears have been doing that. I mean, they have, what was it, six interception returns for touchdowns in the first seven games, which is just amazing. And you, you can't expect that from your defense, but any time they, they get that ball back from that offense, you need to make something happen. Special teams, Mike Meyer converted on his only field goal attempt. There were several who were questioning why on that last offensive series for Iowa when they had fourth and three that they didn't try a, a makeable field goal there with been a 41-yarder with the wind at his back. But in terms of punting, Connor Cornbrath continues to struggle to get much distance on any of his punts, really. And, and for that matter, Winky punted quite a bit last Saturday. He did. It's tough to say last Saturday, um, you know, being on the lake, there was a bit of a wind, you know, swirling pretty good. So that was, was part of an issue. You know, but that is something that they need to look into and, and try to get that improved. And the blocked punt probably sealed the deal. We talked about that earlier, too. So in your opinion, you've watched this team all season now. Is it realistic for Iowa fans to have much hope that this offense is going to get any better in the last four games? I certainly haven't seen any indication that it will. You know, it had kind of picked up a couple of games there, what they score, I believe, 31 
seven points in, in consecutive games, um, you know, won a loss and won a win. But there were signs that it was improving and getting better. A lot of that was Mark Weissman making that move from fullback to tailback and just plowing through people and really racking up the yards and scoring touchdowns because even when they were scoring, it wasn't the passing game. I, I just don't know what this passing game is going, you know, what it's going to take to get better. Um, I don't know if it is the new coordinator and just issues with with everything that comes along with that. You know, there are plenty of drops, but there are plenty of Vandenberg mistakes as well. And unless something, you know, happens real fast, there isn't a lot of hope that in, you know, these last four games that this offense is going to get much better. Will someone catch a damn ball? Get it together! With the short passing game and their inability thus far to strike downfield, this drive has gone 33 yards, but it has taken them nine plays and over two and a half minutes. Four Western will take over. And here's an outcut run by Iowa to try to pick up the fourth and three, and it's just bad timing. The ball's overthrown out of bounds. It's just the play didn't look in sync, and we've talked about Vandenberg and how he's had a much better game today. Uh, just not real happy about the way they've looked in the two-minute offense. HawkeyesMike.com. It's sports talk radio on the internet, just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. Hawkeyes Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Our thanks again to ESPN2 for the game highlights this week, and thanks to Susan Dank. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate by phoning and making your own voice heard in our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.